See you on the other side, Rick. Awesome 80s Podcast. Awesome! Totally awesome! You're not gonna fall for the banana and the tailpipe? I feel the need. The need for speed. Ow! It all starts here. Don't fuck with the lords of hell. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. You're gonna see some serious shit. So I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? And I'm ready. We go for white. You guys want to go see a dead body? Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Awesome 80s Podcast. This is Michael. This is Lawrence. Hi, Michael. Hi, Glenn. How are you today? Why'd you say it with such disdain? (laughs) (laughs) Another podcast with Glenn, I guess. Well, for the very first time ever, we're going to discuss... Iron Eagle today. The, ver- never the very first done a podcast about it before. The very first Iron Eagle. An American hostage faces a sentence of death. Washington's hands are tied. We're doing all we can. Three days, they're going to hang him. His only hope, his 18-year-old son and Air Force ace Chappie Sinclair. Together, they're willing to do what the government can. Waiting time is over. I'm coming down, Dad. Louis Gossett Jr., Jason Gedrick. Iron Eagle, rated PG-13. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check newspapers for showtimes. The very first Iron With Eagle. With Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> very first time we've ever sat down to discuss it, and we have a special guest. Our one-time one time in-studio uh, li- listening guest, and w- also one-time uh, uh, essay contest winner, Josh. Uh, hello, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Now, Josh, uh, we made you go through, we didn't just give you this. You went through a whole test episode. We told you we were recording it. It was all a big sham. We just wanted to see if you could hang. I I still have flashbacks at night. (laughs) Uh, but you survived the test episode so much for that we can't possibly repeat that magic. Ah, Yes, we can. We're going to repeat and exceed that magic. But as I'm saying this, I'm trying to find an email because we have a super fan who claims that he has taken the Josh Schultz challenge. Oops, I said your name. <laughs> eh, that's all right. There's okay. at least one other one in central Illinois. Okay. He has taken the Josh S. challenge. According to him, he also completed uh, these episodes. And I will give his name, and we will give his podcast a shout-out. Uh, if I knew how to... Oh, there we are. <laughs> uh, so, Brian D., uh, Awesome 80s fan Brian D., uh, he is a Giants fan, so he already loses some credibility. Uh, but he uh, has been listening uh, to our pot, our entire catalog over the past few months. Uh, so we do want to give you a shout-out, Brian. And he recently interviewed uh, Kevin Smokler. And I would not be promoting that, but he did give us a shout-out during the episode. 
Uh, so therefore, it's okay. His podcast is the Damn Good Movie Memories Podcast. So be sure to check that out. I checked it out. It's on the iTunes. It's a good listen. So uh, I highly recommend that all of our fans uh, do the same. Uh, what are you doing with a blue tongue, Michael? Sometimes, sometimes when you do art projects, one thing leads to another, and you just have to taste the paint. <laughs> I have nothing to say. To <laughs> uh, but this is uh, thanks again for uh, for listening to our podcast. Um, this is if this is your first time listening to the show. It's it's uh, we always try to deliver you your two dollars. Um, we always try to know when to say what the, what the fuck, and we always do it for Johnny. Um, well, what the hell? I was charged five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes you just got to say fuck it. Looks like University of Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you just reading off a script? No, I, just, I, I thought I was thinking, man, we should have like a saying or a tagline. I know we, should, we say stay awesome, but then we could get that on stickers and buttons. We should, maybe we should have like a... I don't know. People have like a, a slogan. Something you can put on a t-shirt, Glenn. Don't fuck with the babysitter. All right. Well, awesome. you think that's cool. You think stay awesome's enough? Yeah. All right. We'll just stick with stay awesome. I, you know what? Go on Fiverr. <laughs> pay someone five bucks to create anything you want. You can literally get anything you want there. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> There's some things that cost more than five bucks. I have been lonely on many nights, and Fiverr could not satisfy my urge for five dollars. Uh, still the blue tongue. It's going to be very distracting today. Why you got to be weird about it? Hey, he's got a Papa Smurf fetish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we are we are going to do Iron Eagle. Uh, we did a test run about a month ago just to make sure we could do it, and it was awesome. Uh, there's no audio proof of that test run, uh, so we're going to do it for real this time and better. Yeah, first you make me write the essay, then you put me through a sham recording session. <laughs> you guys suck. We are the worst. I don't think... Where you are. We just wanted to make sure he had the goods. And he brought... I mean, didn't my essay... On how plain clothes is a metaphor for the Great Depression and recovery in the New Deal under the FDR administration, proof enough of my goods. <laughs> to me, they were. Michael had he had questions. The stuff you put put about the Tennessee Valley Authority, I wasn't sure, but that would really, whatever. That's fine. That's fine. We could just move on. That's fine. <laughs> so we are going to be doing Iron Eagle now. Uh, the first scenes of Iron Eagle. I wrote down flying stuff. <laughs> now, I've never watched the movie all the way through. I'd seen up until this, I'd seen parts of it here and there, uh, but I've never sat down to, to take in the story of Iron Eagle until until we were doing this podcast. The grandeur, the grandeur that is Iron Eagle. I probably watched yeah. the second one probably thirty times, and this one probably two or three times. But it felt like it had the exact same opening, just a bunch of flying stuff. And to me, the flying stuff, I didn't pay much attention because I didn't realize that it might have meeting down the road. <laughs> you know, why would a scene have something to do with the movie? <laughs> well, I'm used to 80s openings where it's animation and it's like, oh. Shouldn't the fact it wasn't animated have been your clue? 
you know, Josh is much harsher on me <laughs> than he was in rehearsal. Uh, so, Josh, what did this flying stuff all mean? Um, I don't know. You tell me. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so you've, okay. you've, you've, got, uh, you've got the colonel and his wingman, who is so important he doesn't have a name. He's just lieutenant. <laughs> and they're flying along in international airspace, and all of a sudden they get approached by a bunch of MiGs saying, hey, get off our turf. What's a MiG? Uh, it's a jet. Okay, that's fine. I just didn't want you to be racially insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> I guess from, from my perspective, I thought it was a Russian ship. I thought initially they would battle the Russians in part two and part one because I watched two before one. But in reality, they were Russian MiGs that were sold to this Middle Eastern country, where the unnamed Middle Eastern country. Yeah. Nameless Desert Pit. There you go. I like it. Well, let's call it the Desert Pit. Not the Peach Pit. The Desert Pit. Yeah. Uh, so, as you were saying, Josh, so it ultimately leads to some American being captured. Uh, well, we don't know that yet. Oh, okay. So what do we know? We see that he got shot down. Okay. But so that's it. So he may be dead. We don't know. Now, flash forward... Uh, and we see a young little, uh, a, in, in 80s, true 80s form, a younger brother. Uh, and he's talking up a chick on the phone. He's kind of got his legs up. This cool brother has it all. He's got the gift of gab. Uh, he's in the vein of little Chucky from Can't Buy Me Love. Or uh, who's the brother in, I'm trying to think of the other one. That's great. Oh, just one of the guys. Just one of the guys. I was also thinking he seems like the kind of brother would definitely have a either a clear phone or maybe one shaped like a hamburger. <laughs> the 80s little brothers can tell you. Empin ain't easy. Empin ain't easy. So uh, then we see his very handsome older brother. And when I, I'm not saying the word handsome, just loosey-goosey. This kid has the goods. Uh So he's leaving. We find out from his mom, not only is he graduating on Sunday, but Saturday is prom night. Like, who does? What kind of school schedules a prom and graduation in the same? It's like, oh, here's your prom. Tomorrow you graduate. This seems like a bad idea. I figure if they're hungover for graduation, they can't pull any stunts. It's true. Still seems like a bad idea. (laughs) Michael, do you remember your high school graduation? I remember every moment of it. Uh, I was in the newspaper because I was uh, at the Braden at the local university where we were, uh, our graduation was held playing a racing car video game. I was the school bus, and that got me in the newspaper. All those kids who got good grades, <laughs> who paid attention in school, no publicity at all. This guy, being a jackass, playing a video game right before he graduates high school, bam, newspaper. It's, it seems like something you would do. Uh, did you have like any graduation parties, Josh, or you were probably a lot cooler in school than we were? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Something tells me if we'd all been at the same school, we would have been hanging out with each other. So in my parents' basement, a la that 70s show. Ooh, can I break in real quick? Sorry. Good. So I've been watching, I'm currently fun employed and I've been watching a lot of that 70s show because it's on every morning. And so I just, uh, record them. Now at first I would try to get up just to catch them. 
but I would start my TV at seven and then not start watching till nine. So I wouldn't have to watch commercials, even though I have DVR, like I, but it was a game anyway. Did we ever discuss when that 70s show was first on how much that was our college group of friends? Yeah. Uh, also you did call me earlier in the week and you did admit to me that sometimes if you get up and you do your morning pee at like three or four, sometimes you just turn the DVR on then instead of well, DVR in it, like you just turn it on that way. It's our, you just rewind it. Right. That's exactly it. That's, that's the game I play is I I'll have the control right there. So when I get up to pee, I can hit, turn the satellite box on. And therefore if I wake up later, I can just rewind back to the beginning, and by the time like the sixth episode's on, I've caught up. This is what Fun Employment's done to me. The, the DVR buffer is the <laughs> crucial tool yes. in the arsenal of the marathoner. And all I had to do was record them. I finally gave up and just started recording them. Uh, so you, who would you say you were in our group of friends? I don't know, Glenn. Who would you say I was? You probably Fez. <laughs> Who do you say you are? I was probably Eric because everyone came to my house and okay. I was the only one I had a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Katoni, Katoni, that's Kelso, right? I mean, he's not an athlete, but neither is Kelso. He's just kind of an idiot who gets chicks. Oh, sure. Katoni's not an idiot, but. <laughs> but he did so, get. So, so is it Katoni or Cottony? Brick oh, Cottony. It's Brick Cottony. <laughs> uh, and then. And then Hyde, that had to have been Bob, right? Like, Hyde was kind of evil, very against the man. Uh, Okay. Never really cared. Always liked chicks, but never would admit it. A couple times Bob put in the time, though. Got upset about that. No big deal. (laughs) That's a joke. That's a joke from 1998. Sorry. Yeah, that's a great joke from 1998 for our friend group of six. Uh, and then my dad would probably be the most likely to put a foot in everyone's ass. Yeah, for a while there, for a while there, I was really into lighting stuff on fire. <laughs> and you remember when uh, you and my dad sat there with a with a BB gun or something to protect our apartment from? That was that was totally different. That was totally different. <laughs> that's another story. Uh, squatters' rights, Glenn. Squatters' rights. <laughs> We should tell that story sometime, not okay. today. So, back to this movie. So, uh, the music right away wins me over. So, as the brother's leaving the parents' house to go meet up with his friends, we have our first taste of, of the music for this movie. And this movie has the our number one favorite thing in 80s movies. Now, our number two being the animated open. We already discussed it, and I have that. But number one... Is that M word? Do you know what that M word is, Josh? You've listened to our whole catalog. Um, going to you, Michael. Mashed potatoes. Are you looking for a song that specifically was written for the film? No, I'm talking about a montage. Oh, okay. <laughs> no one gets the point. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> this movie has some great montages, uh, especially where montages don't even really need to be, <laughs> and we'll talk about it, but not right now. Uh, so. What happens, uh, Michael, is he pulls up to this uh, diner-type area, I don't know, and these motorcycle punks start harassing his girlfriend. They get a right, just like everybody else, to hang out and feel cool. But then these, you can say townies, is what I'm to assume, these townies, punk kids, just pull up out of nowhere and harass his girlfriend. Uh, 
what is the what is the the lead punk, Josh? What does he want them, uh, our main hero? What does he want him to do? He wants him to fly the snake. You gotta fly the snake. Now, we'll talk about that momentarily because the snake is one of my biggest contentions with this film. However, uh, <laughs> and his friends are like who's who of background eighty stars. So we have uh, Revenge of the Nerds guy, nerd, the guy, the guy from Space Camp, and from yeah, yeah. Hold on, is that the Revenge of the Nerds guy? Yeah, the black guy. Yeah, why? Jesus, <laughs> uh, <laughs> why does it gotta be black? And then who is the other? We have another one, don't we? You got Style, Style, Style. Oh man. Only he's not surfing on the top of a van. Right. Waves are mine. This movie, yeah. I was trying to figure out who is that guy without looking it up, and it finally did occur to me that was Styles. So they could have taken to an epic extreme and had him surf on the wings of a plane. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been great. While I was while I was mopping the floor the other day, I was thinking about mop, mop and mop, blow. Mop. Pine <laughs> I was thinking about the, the coach from uh, from Teen Wolf. About, don't play cards with a guy for the city in his first name <laughs> and never uh, never go out with a girl with a tattoo of a dagger on her body. <laughs> uh, my grandma used to always say, don't play pool with someone named after a state. Okay, that's good. Minnesota Fats came to mind. Dakota Nigel made that one up. Okay, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, he finds out, he turns down the punk guys and he's just like, screw you. I'm not flying the snake. He's and got then, a great, he's got a great group of friends. They got great jackets. They're there for each other. You can tell everyone has their special skill, like, uh, like a great little GI Joe force. <laughs> I always judge my friends by, okay. I, I, some, there've been times where I met some really cool people, but I already had that skill. Uh, like I met Josh like three years ago. And at the time I, his skill was full, but bam, opening came up, reached right out to Josh and said, Hey buddy, (laughs) I need (laughs) you. Your time has come. I'll let you know. And I remember what that skill is. (laughs) Please, please do. (laughs) So, uh, Oh, that skill is loving iron Eagle. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) The movie which you had not yet seen. Right. I wasn't ready to fully take in Iron Eagle, but when that time of my life came, you were still there waiting. It was perfect. So is it his little brother who runs up? He's got the envelope from the open because we've already mentioned that he wants to get in the Air Force. His friends had mentioned that briefly. If he wants a future, Uh, he's got to get into that Air Force Academy. Yeah. And... Uh, he opens it, and he did not make it, but the punks uh, hear this in the background. They go over the loudspeaker. How did they get into it? It was like a Shake Shack? Like, how did they get inside this thing? I don't know. It made no sense. Uh, and they announced to everyone that he doesn't get in. Uh, what, what effect does that have on our hero? He's ready to Rage. kick some ass. He's ready to kick some ass. He didn't. He don't want to get in fights before. He want to get in trouble. Lose time in the simulator. But he's ready to he, fight now. He's ready to <laughs> rage some ass. If I want to combine your guys' answers. <laughs> so, even though we all know what happened to Jimmy Braxton, he got killed. 
Fly in the snake. Fly in the snake. We're going to do it, guys. We're going to fly this snake. So he walks over to his plane, and there's just a random African-American gentleman working on it. What would you do if someone's just randomly working on your plane, Josh? Um, I personally would probably call the police. That's, that's I'm non-confrontational, so I would let them take care of it. <laughs> Survey says, number two answer. <laughs> what would you do, Michael? I'd probably be polite, but be very passive aggressive and polite, and then call the police. But he seems like this guy, this magic magic black man that they put in all these movies, he knows everything about everything. He decides that he's going to change the just change the carburetor a little bit. Is that what he's doing? His little mixture's a little too rich. Yeah, changing the fuel mix because if he's flying the snake and he has it set, it's set wrong, is he's going to stall out and crash just like Jimmy Braxton did. That Jimmy Braxton, he had a good head on his shoulders, but he's just. <sighs> so Doug uh, confronts him. He asks him what he's doing. Lou Gossett Jr. Gives a, a perfectly good answer, acceptable, and Doug's like, okay, all right. And he does a stellar job of sealing that engine hatch with a piece of chewed bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> now, guys, we've come to one of our first montages, and this is where my biggest problem with this film is. So, is he flying while the punk is riding a motorcycle? Yes. So he's a man, a kid in a plane. Let's just set aside the fact this kid has his own plane. Is racing another kid who's on a motorcycle. And he's not the only kid that has a plane. <laughs> There's it's another true. group of kids following him in another plane. And not only is he racing a guy in a motorcycle, does one of this guy's in a motorcycle's friends basically commit attempted murder by messing with his oil? There's not a problem here, Michael. I think you could get a talk down to man two. Like if he, if he admitted to it, what are you thinking? No, no man two is that he wasn't attempting to kill him. Well, I, it's obviously he was just doing it. It's just, he said he was just trying to be funny. All right. Jeez. Played a prank. I mean, maybe man one, maybe. <laughs> but but I mean, if you're, you're almost, you're almost, you're in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours of watching time. <laughs> What's, what's Jack McCoy going to get him charged with? But Jack McCoy's going murder two. In fact, Jack McCoy's going to go murder one because he's going to say he planned it ahead of time because he obviously did. It's a lot of law and order. <laughs> Tell you what McCoy's going to do. What's Leloy Jethro Gibbs going to do? He's going to kick that kid's ass. He's going to slap him upside the back of the head. Yes. No, he's going to with his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Which will probably put him in a coma if it's anything like I imagine it being. Uh, so basically, we have a race where a kid's in, a mo in an airplane going against a kid on a motorcycle. And one of the kid's motorcycle's friends sabotages the airplane to the point where he basically is trying to kill him. Uh, but he survives. And he lands. And he wins. And he gets out of this plane. And Doug punches the punk out. And it's totally okay to fight then well he notices while he's flying that something is wrong obviously somebody's been messing with his motor his airplane there's no way it could be the random black guy it had to have been his uh the teenagers that were messing with his 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 airplane well i mean let's not make assumptions here Every, he's colorblind okay okay 
So uh, the the music though the montage was jamming, and we can all agree to that. And we also get the introduction that he cannot fly without his tape going. Yeah, it's kind of subtly mentioned. It, it becomes more heavy handed later. And then the, one of the most important things we learned about Iron Eagle is right every time something good happens to you, something bad is get, that's worse is going to happen right after that. And in this case, uh, he finds out that his dad was shot down and captured uh, by, what are we calling them? The Sand Castle? The Sand Pit. Sand Pit. Desert Pit, sorry. Desert Pit. The people in the Desert Pit, they, they capture his father. Uh, Doug is very upset by this, so he does what you would normally do, and he goes and he breaks top secret. Uh, he doesn't break in, but he walks through top secret clearance <laughs> and just walks right through the door into the command center. And he confronts Colonel Blackburn. Uh, They're friends. He just wants the truth. That's all he wants. And Colonel Blackburn kind of wants to go, but he has to hold up with you know do what the military says. I mean, they're acting all like we got a pair of twos waiting on a face car. <laughs> I love the I love so, the machismo, and I like that they're. I mean, especially in eighties movies, there's going to be some military stuff, and it feels like here, uh, war games, and then uh, cloak and dagger. We get the air force stuff, so it's nice to see how the air force does their things because usually it's all army, and then occasionally we get the navy things like that. But it's uh, it's nice to see how the Air Force does things. They're all all very uh, by the book here. It's uh, it's nice to see that the uh, that they they throw an Air Force bone here. So uh, <laughs> upstairs, someone needs to turn the effing light on. That's all I'm hearing. Uh, but so Josh, where do we find out about his dad? This is not the first time. <laughs> he's such a stellar pilot. He's had to bail out twice now. Two separate occasions, uh, he has been shot down, it seems. So, uh, his dad gets shut down uh, before, and then we uh, he has to decide, is he going to go to prom that night? What's he going to do? Michael, your dad gets shut down airplane. Do you go to prom? Uh, is it, are there going to be? Is there going to be drinks there? Like, I mean, am I in prom? I mean, I'm in. I, I'm in high school. I'm not going to go. But right now, I would go. <laughs> You're just going to crash some random prom. You want me to go to? Because people, hey, Glenn, you want to go to prom when when our dads die? Do you want to go to prom? What about if you were supposed to go to Vegas and your grandma dies? I'll go to prom. Tell you where you didn't go. <laughs> to Vegas. <laughs> I, I feel there's some uh, some unresolved tension here. It's okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> so he goes to prom, right? Well, he, he has to get the pep talk from his buddies to get him to go to prom. Yeah. And and uh, Reggie, I think that's his name. Reggie sounds right. Nerd um, tells him, "Don't worry, we got." We got Reagan in office. They don't call him Ronnie Reagan for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad, uh, real quick, we flash over. Dad is in Sand Court. Uh, they want to do some stuff with him. Uh, we'll get back to him later. We just had to mention him real quick. Also, Outback, fourteen ninety nine for four courses, four real 
I'm sorry, that just popped up. Obviously, dad's uh, obviously dad's a capitalist pig, and of course he was he was there spying. He wasn't violating. He was there violating the air, airspace on purpose. Yeah, it's not like he's just an egomaniac who has to push himself to the limits and push and not worry about his family at home or anything. No, he's a spy. <laughs> so, but then we go to prom, and prom guys is off the hook. Got the band. Who wants to tell me about prom? Josh, they got they got a band, the classic '80s uh, '80s prom band, and we start off. We've got a, a dance off with the Reggie and his girlfriend breaking it down. It just and, feels like uh, you're the token African American female. I'm the token African American male. I was Rudy in Space Camp. I'm Reggie in Iron Eagle. We're going to be uh, a couple, and we're going to dance the hell out of this night for all these white people to watch. Let's live this stereotype. Yeah. yeah. So Doug just can't get into it. He's just he's so upset about his dad. He's he's standing sulking in the corner. He's he's happy that everyone else is happy, but he himself is not happy. He's probably gone in the bathroom, done a little booger sugar. <laughs> we have not talked about booger sugar in too long. Yeah, I had to get that worked in. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> So, uh, he goes to the flight simulator. Am I correct? Is that the next? That's right. And uh, it is awesome. Uh, he's doing it up. Colonel Blackburn's trying to give him some advice over the speaker. No, not Colonel Blackburn. Well, random simulator operator. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Random simulator operators trying to give him some advice. You telling me Colonel Blackburn has enough time to just come down to the simulator? No. He's, he's, he's still waiting on that ace. He's carrying some deuces with a pair of waiting for an ace. <laughs> so Doug, Doug puts on his mood music and it's uh, it's queen long may she reign. That's the only one they get the rights to. Ah, <laughs> uh, I heard they wanted fat bottom girls, but they, ended up, <laughs> they make that rock so, and world go round. But fit in the simulator. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, by the end, it ends up being Lou Gossett Jr. He doesn't notice that all of a sudden the voice that's speaking to him goes from middle-aged white dude to studly Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> so he goes off on Doug. And he tells him that he doesn't even have the guts <clears throat> to rescue his dad. Like, that's pretty mean. What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, initially in the, uh, I think, I think Lucas Jr. sees something in Doug in the simulator. So he kind of jacks up the simulator to make it more difficult than it normally is. And then they run into each other outside of the simulator and he gets super pissed at Lucas Jr. Cause he knows, I mean, he assumes that they all know each other kind of in this brotherhood kind of way. Like somebody needs to save my dad. You should save my dad. So Lou Gossett, like you said, he, as you mentioned, goes in. Uh, then uh, the the dad back in uh, San Court is sentenced to hanging in three days. Three days. That's not the U.S. justice system. I'll tell you that. Mm, no. So if it, was, if it was Texas, it'd be two. <laughs> that was just killing me today. Uh, 
that's my I don't I, I have to be on another level to break out the nerds laugh but uh, <laughs> 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 like three times so far Josh has brought that out of me today so uh, he tells this little bro I'm gonna go rescue dad and hence twisted <laughs> sister montage they're not gonna take it why would they take it <laughs> Uh, quick shout out real quick to uh, MH, who currently is calling me, and I'm sitting uh, in his, play, his studio, MH, uh, and he loves this movie. So quick shout out to him. What up, MH? And we, we spent, what, about about 45 minutes one day at work, sitting in the office talking about this when we were planning yeah. on recording it? Should have been. That should have been a podcast in itself. <laughs> it was not. So... Uh, the, basically, the moral of the Twisted Sister montage is base kids unite. Nerds from all over are going to get together, and they're going to make this thing happen. Uh, Doug goes to beg uh, LGJR, uh, and he's already been kind of working on it. He's already got a plan. He's ahead of them. With, with, this, with the montage of the, the base kids taking over, there's a couple, you know, things that just really don't make sense. One, they've got a bunker for their clubhouse. <laughs> this group of kids have a retired bunker on base that they get to just use for whatever they want. Why not? They can go wherever they want on the base without any escorts. They know everybody on a first name basis. They wouldn't be up to anything bad, right? They can get into every single computer system, every single yeah. mainframe without any difficulty. Hey, they, they've got, they've got their data. Is is this? Uh, yes, they do. Is this when the girls convince their dad uh, they spill something? Yeah, because he's he's going to uh, get them a satellite picture of the Earth for their room, and they they say, "Oh, I'll get it for you." You're like, "Oh no, we'll get it, Dad." And they spill on him so that he has to go get it himself, and so they can go get the satellite satellite pictures of the desert pit. So all these kids, once again, all of these kids have their specialty. And uh, they uh, all put it to good work. Um, so Lugasa Jr. He, he either did it on purpose or it was more wishful thinking. But he gave he gave the he gave the son a blueprint on what he really needed to do to send a mission over there. So these kids gather all of this stuff, and then he just shows up at Lugasa Jr.'s Lugasa Jr.'s trailer, and he just give it, hands them over all of this information that all these kids have gathered illegally and underneath the nose of the Air Force. And he's how, how would you feel like if you were Lugasa Jr. and this white kid shows up at your trailer, and he has all this information to, to go ahead with this mission? I feel like they're framing me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Lugasa Jr. himself has already been working on this, so he's just kind of waiting for it to be asked, wants to feel important, uh, and he and Doug spend the uh, day at different locations throughout the base uh, working on this. Uh, they're at the restaurant. What was the name of the restaurant tour? Um, Slappy. Slappy. Yeah, you got Slappy G. Slappy, who sounds like Wolfman Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's. I'm pretty sure he's in Weird Science, and I know he's in Action Jackson. He's the guy. He's that guy. He's that black guy <laughs> in, in all the '80s movies. 
this uh, this montage was kicked off by Lou Gossett Jr. kicking his jukebox, and then we get treated to a little LGJ twerking. Yes. He taught Miley everything she knows. Twerking before it was a thing. So, uh, yeah, they spend the rest of the days at different locales. They use Italian food to map out their route. <laughs> you got the spaghetti over here. You got the lasagna over here, and the pizza's the plain. Hey, the lasagna's the the oil field. <laughs> True that. Uh, but they realize they need two planes. That's how this plan is going to work. It all revolves around having two planes. Uh, so what are you going to do? Oh, they real quick. They flash to dad. He's getting beat down in the desert. No big deal. Come back. Uh, so what are you going to do when you need a second plane? Well, uh, they're going to obtain a plane because these kids can apparently get anything they want. In one plane. Figure out a way to steal that plane. Get to. Right. So these kids acquire a plane. We get a flying montage. And at this point, Doug is just, he's not good, is he? Mm-mm. He can't blow up shit. Well, Luke Austin Jr. has to see what this kid is worth because he's done really well in the simulator, but they go up on a training plane. They're trying to get him to bomb, bomb random shit, blow up other stuff, but he can't do it without the music. Yeah. So. LGJ tells him to shut off the music. He flies like crap, shoots like crap. He's like, let me do it my way. And uh, his way, ironically, they did not play Frank Sinatra's My Way. It would have been the perfect <laughs> his, his way is to follow the road of the gypsy. Right. <laughs> so uh, we play it his way. He starts starts blowing shit up. Uh, they're back at the clubhouse of espionage uh, for their final planning session. Uh, yet another <laughs> felony that they've committed in this movie. When you put them on each individual act of felony, I'm guessing ten so far. Uh, and uh, they're probably up to about six consecutive life sentences yeah. at this point. Proud Mary's playing because. You got to roll on that river. Well, it just feels like there was unrealistic expectations by Lou Gossett Jr. And when he works best, when he's with music too, like it didn't, there's a lot more of them that are alike than dissimilar. You know what I'm saying? It's a story of two men from different backgrounds. One of them, not even a man, but a mere boy coming together to find out how they're alike and blow shit up. Uh, so the, uh, it's about bedtime and uh, Doug says he's ready and we get this gem from Chappie Lugasa Jr. You ain't ready for shit, boy! And then we have a sad story about Viet goddamn Nam. Look at this picture. They thought they were ready. <laughs> They die. <laughs> You're not ready. Uh, You've never been in the shit. <laughs> uh, Kevin Thomas from the LA Times called this film a total waste of time. Don't agree with him. Uh, but the article from Variety talks about how the break, there's breakneck action and some dandy dog fights, but the dialogue is simply laughable. This point right here where he's talking to him in the 
like either like right before he gets in inside the like I need you to get my trailer. The dialogue, I found myself editing this audio into my mind into like a slash slash fiction thing where Chappie and Doug Masters themselves end up in a shower scene. My own personal baggage I'm bringing to the movie. He's like, I need you to get my trailer. How come you're not, your head's not on the pillow. Your head needs to be on my pillow. You are a dead man. Okay. I want you to I better see my mom, and, and I have to call Katie. What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know either. You think it's going to be so easy, don't you? No, I don't think it's going to be all easy. I'm just ready for it, that's all. Okay, well, you get in my trailer. Now. I said get you put in my trailer. Now. Yes, sir. You sure can't tell him the truth. I thought I told you to get some sleep. Just relaxing a bit. I don't need much sleep for this anyway. Now, how the hell do you know what you need for this? You ain't ready for shit, boy. Who are these guys? A bunch of kids that thought that they were ready to. Okay. Now, I want you to get your butt in the trailer. I just meant I'm ready. You're ready for this, aren't you, Chad? Okay, are you getting the trailer? Now. Yes, sir. Sorry, I apologize. Well, and there was a, a shower scene. There was only one of them was in the shower. The other was just standing by watching. It's like, <laughs> but isn't the dialogue what makes this movie? It's pretty bad, but I enjoy it. I think it's fantastic. Well, that's what I mean. The dialogue's horrible, but it's great. I mean, I just I don't want to bring up uh, Top Gun too early, but it felt like its dialogue is just as bad. So the way I look at it is this. You can have horror. You can have decent dialogue that's not that's not fun. Bad. This movie's fun. Bad. You can have dialogue that like that you're trying to make really meaningful, and and the most badass action sequence there is. Or you can realize that you're not going to be able to compete on action sequences. I'm not saying that they had cheesy dialogue on purpose. I'm just saying that helps this movie separate it. Like. Top Gun, yes, Top Gun is a homosexual man's fantasy, wet dream, <laughs> if you will. Uh, but people love Top Gun and for the cheesiness. And I will, but for like the volleyball scene and things like that, I will say that this movie kills the cheesiness of Top Gun, which is why it separates itself because of this dialogue. I went a long way to not say a whole lot, and I apologize. <laughs> I told you to put. I told you to put your head on my pillow. I told you to get in my trailer, get into bed, do whatever you say, sir. Sorry, I, I might have started writing some stuff. I, I think at one point LGJ said something about nobody meets you halfway. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, by the way, when he's talk, when Chappie uh, is, you know, we've got to do now, is talking about the dead people, that's when I first realized that he might be a ghost. <laughs> this might be a fight club situation. Like, Chappie might just be in this kid's head. Uh, it turns out that isn't the case. But I think if they would have done that at this point, I think they so, could have done something. So you bring, up, you bring up LGJ's nickname, Chappie. 
how did he know that was his nickname? Where did Doug get the nickname from? That was never once mentioned. All of a sudden, he just starts calling him Chappie. Something tells me if he would have done that, Lou would have beat the shit out of him. <laughs> That's a good call. And actually, a little, little known fact, Chappie translated into Japanese is Miyagi. Oh. What? Uh, Joshua. This fine insights. I, uh, I made a promise to you. I would not remember anything, and I legit did not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the one I was most concerned that you would remember. I completely forgot. So, I mean, if we want to start comparing, when did Karate Kid come out? 84, 85? This movie was like 86, 87. This is in the wheelhouse. It may not have been consciously, but subconsciously some writer did that. Like halfway through the film, too. Like he just threw Chappie in there as if it had always been there. It had not. He had to put some wax on and take some wax off. (laughs) You had to just paint that fence. So, uh, Chappie has ghosts, man. He has ghosts haunting him. And he's decided the only way to get around those ghosts is to uh, himself uh, use this kid to basically manipulate this kid into flying overseas and attack a whole nation. Does does LG... uh, does Luke Gossett Jr. I almost said LGBT. Does Luke Gossett, <laughs> does Luke Gossett Jr. have a moral responsibility to these kids and Doug Masters specifically <laughs> to not yeah, send I, them into combat? I mean, I think so. I think he does. I think uh, leading them to almost certain death uh, is his responsibility to not do. You, what do you guys think? Yeah, he... he, uh, he he should have known better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much fun. Like the movie itself is a lot of fun. It's, it's like a little bit of Goonies, a little bit of Top Gun. Oh, speaking of Goonies. Eh? Eh? Awesome. <laughs> uh, so Chappie then gives, goes into this speech about why he took so long to come around to helping Doug. It was less than a day. This whole thing came together <laughs> in less than a day. He's acting like like they've been pursuing him for months. Uh, and he gives a speech about the dead kids. And then Chappie, he records a tape. He records a tape for Doug. Uh, and he's only supposed to listen to it if Chappie goes down. Uh, and Chappie, uh, Chappie uh, and Doug, they get going. They start their mission. And what happens very early on is that uh, Chappie crashes. Chappie crashes the plane. He, he gets, uh, well, before you get there, oh, you, you just jumped I way did. forward. I did. Please, please go back and correct. <laughs> I'm Lawrencing you. <laughs> you have every right to. You have every right to. <laughs> they, uh, they're flying along, and they've got a long, a long flight to go. They, uh, they, have, to, they have to fly to uh, to Europe, fly across the Med, and they actually have to refuel midair. Yes. And you know what I learned in this? Refueling is a lot easier in real life than in Top Gun NES. 
<laughs> Dude, that was the worst part of the whole game. I, Seriously. I hated that. I just accepted the fact that I was going to lose one of my lives on those missions. Uh, so they used the easy refuel. <laughs> and, oh, we got a lady, baby. Lady, baby. So, awkward pause. <laughs> so they they get uh, they get to uh, to the coast of Desert Pit, <laughs> and they have their strategic targets they have to take out. They got to take out the radar installations. They got to take out the service to air batteries, the service to air guns, and then and first step they want to take out the uh, the airstrip so they can't launch any fighters. But right. before they can get there, they get a couple up. And have a little dog fighting. Um, quality of the dog fighting video. Mm. Yeah. You know, I did notice that every jet froze in midair right before it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the process of all this, they take a couple out, and then Chappie gets shot. So who uh, who owned these jets for filming purposes? Wasn't it weren't these all owned by Israel or something? Yes. Yep. Yes. They borrowed them from Israel for what I'm sure is a small fee. The, these, uh, these are the uh, American American planes and the Russian planes that were said to be sold to the the Sand People, <laughs> the Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> well, I'll call them that. That's fine. Uh, I often let my uh, one year old child play with a pocket knife. It's fine. So. It's it's Alan. It's a collection of Alan wrenches. I see. That. I was making a joke for humor. He, he's prepping her for a career building IKEA furniture. <laughs> it's even though you follow directions step by step, it's a lot harder than people say it is. I would pay more than that for that service than most any other service <laughs> I pay for. So, as you mentioned, Chappie crashes. Uh, it does not look good for Chappie. And Doug listens to the tape. Uh, God doesn't give people things he doesn't want them to lose. And he gave you the touch. The touch. Nobody meets anybody halfway, Glenn. Nobody. It would have been perfect if they played the, the song The Touch from the Transformers animated movie right there. <laughs> <laughs> you got the touch. You got the power. But Twisted Sister was about that most of their movie budget for songs. So, uh, so uh, Doug keeps going with the plan. He blows up the refinery. Uh, you just lost an oil refinery. And he's talking to them. He's basically giving them instructions on uh, what to do. It felt honestly at this point. It felt very video gameish. Like. Accomplish this goal. Accomplish this goal. (laughs) Drop the Hades bomb. (laughs) So uh, Doug's trying to make a deal with them. Uh, Leave his father on this airstrip and he'll stop blowing things up. Uh, They agree, but then secretly uh, they make make preparations to basically kill Doug. so they shoot his dad and, uh, and launch missiles, uh, which he avoids and then returns the favor. Uh, the, bond, the bomb then lands to get his dad, and it's like a smoke screen. Uh, at this point, Haley says, why would they go through that literally? Because they're trying to drive through. Attack them through the flames. Yes. The, uh, 
the sand country is trying to attack uh, the Doug through the flames, and they all it does is just keep bly, uh, blowing their own cars up. And the, the jeeps flip when they drive through the flames. Yes. <laughs> There's no obstacles or anything. Just They're just flip. driving straight through and they flip. Well, have, you ever, so, have you ever drove through straight flames? No. Well, how do you know this is a good point? Uh, I think the stunt director for the A-Team also is a stunt director for this, this nice. movie. So. It makes perfect sense. If he orders you to drive through the fire, you just drive through the fire. <laughs> he uh, rescues dad and at this point the dictator of random emphasis on dick <laughs> <laughs> dictator of random sand country decides that he's going to fly uh, at this point Doug's in an impossible position and the only thing he can do is he's going to keep to the plan but it doesn't look like he's going to survive until who shows up the U.S. Air Force. All of a sudden, there's five blips on the the the, the radar, and uh, Doug Doug tells his dad, "I don't think we can fight him with our 20 rounds of ammo." <laughs> dad says, "Let's make a run for it. <laughs> we'll bail out over the Gulf if we have to." And all of a sudden, the uh, random Air Force colonel comes over the radio and says, "We're here for you." <laughs> I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> Where at least I know I'm free. <laughs> Every 4th of July of my childhood, Dad would wake me up to that. Uh, so, they uh, they do inform Doug that Thank Jaffe's down and doesn't look like they can find him. Uh, can we fly the missing man formation for Chappie? And, and they do. And they do. Uh, we get another uh, Chappie uh, mixtape. Is this where he tells the dad how proud he is? Yep. I knew I was going to die, but you got a good boy there. <laughs> uh, he tells, tells Doug's dad what a, what a strong, intelligent, wonderful Fine, man. strapping young man he's got <laughs> for a son. Uh, he's only committed seven felonies. <laughs> so, uh, at this point, how can you not have a little Niagara Falls action in your eyes? Your allergies kick up. I was cutting some onions. Cutting some onions. My mom has onion goggles. Ah. They're like work goggles. That's, but a, they, that's a thing? I don't, I don't know if Dad just bought, like, just goggles. Just safety goggles for yeah, my hours. But they have, they have, like, all surrounding, so nothing. Nothing gets, I don't know. But anyway, they seem to work. So... Hey, guys, guess what? I forgot to tell you guys this. Chappie's alive! Chap Flack never dies. <laughs> Dude, I love Cloak and Dagger. But, yeah, it's great. He's alive, ready for the sequel. <laughs> so, uh, they're in, what, Germany now? Yep. Rom- Romstein, they say, but it should be Romstein. Romstein. Du Hoss. Frankenstein. Sneak. It's pronounced Frankenstein. <laughs> Du hast mich gefragt. Du hast mich It's pronounced Springstein. <laughs> That's distant relations. Distant. <laughs> she being brand new. <laughs> uh, so Chappie basically talks the Air Force out of giving uh, Doug a penalty because of the embarrassment that they will suffer and then bribes them into letting Doug go to Air Force. Here's a plan. Here's a plan. We just don't tell anybody about it. And we make the kid, the people that, that probably 
both the retired the the colonel that's in the Air Force Reserves and the random teenager who've committed tens and tens of felonies. We're just gonna pretend like none of it happened. Uh, and we're gonna put him into a uh, United States uh, Air Force Academy, an institution capable of dealing with his unique brand of insubordination. <laughs> And that's your movie, folks. Oh, styling. We didn't know. Uh, the baby just handed it to me. Uh, we didn't really talk about that other film in the 80s at all. How would you, how would you guys stack this up against the other uh, the airplane movie? The, 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 the one with the, the crazy Scientologist? No, the, yeah. <laughs> I guess this film was originally intended to be released in the summer of 86, but the release was pushed back to January to avoid competition. They knew they couldn't compete with the power of the crews. Yeah. So I, I, I like to say that this movie, Iron Eagle, is to Top Gun what GoBots was to the Transformers. Many people consider GoBots to be superior to Transformers. They just didn't have the marketing push behind them. Similar to the way Iron Eagle, many people, myself included, consider it to be a superior to Top Gun. It just didn't have the star power in the marketing machine. Uh, I like this better than Top Gun. I'll say it. I'll go with Josh. I mean, Top Gun has all the, the pizzazz, but for me, I want these movies to be hokey and hilarious. And Top Gun has some of that, but Top Gun takes itself too seriously. And I don't think this movie takes itself as serious. Your thoughts, Michael? I'm still on the... Uh the homoeroticism of Top Gun. It's won, won me over a million times. I've got it on Laserdisc. There's nothing I can do about it. I, I, I saw the picture of what uh, what uh, Mrs. Carlson found uh, that concerned her about you. There were some pictures <laughs> and some lotion. So I'm not surprised. I don't care. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. It's no big deal. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, is there any, does anyone else have any other thoughts about this, uh, this program? Well, there was, um, on the Australian release of the DVD, there was actually a deleted scene that, um, that it was, and I can't remember what movie, there was another movie where there was an alternate ending only on the Australian release. Big. That's right, with Big. Similarly, this was just a single deleted scene. It didn't change much about the movie, but it was, again, only available in Australia. Would you like to redact that and, scene? Um, and what it was is Doug created a tape himself for Chappie in the event that Doug got shot down, and I actually have a script of that right here. I would be happy to, to read the script with you. And so it starts off, you know, it starts off just spoken word and then it kind of builds. And it's, I hear your name whispered on the wind. It's a sound that makes me cry. I hear a song blow again and again through my mind and I don't know why. I wish I didn't feel so strong about you, but happiness and love revolve around you. Trying to catch your heart is it's like trying, trying to catch, to catch a, star. a star. So many people love you, Chappie. That must be what you are. Waiting for a star to fall and carry your heart into my arms. That's where you belong in my arms, Chappie, yeah. Waiting for a star to fall and carry your heart into my arms. That's where you belong in my arms, Chappie, yeah. 
And then it goes on from there. It really builds. You can feel the emotion that that night that Doug and Chappie spent together in that trailer <laughs> before the mission, it changed Doug. <laughs> it changed him to his core. And you can just feel the love and admiration he has for Chappie in this scene. And you thought the waterworks were bad. They're even worse in this scene. It's so touching. Uh, I can't wait to uh, Michael gets to edit that. <laughs> she wait. keeps running outside. Hold on. I don't mind waiting. <laughs> it seems like waiting makes me love you even more. Waiting for a star to fall. Carry your heart into my arms. That's where you belong in my arms, Chappie, yeah. Waiting for a star to fall. Carry your heart into my arms. That's where you belong in my arms, Chappie, yeah. What if we musicalize the uh, the here? I hear your name whispered on the wind. It's the sound that makes me cry. I hear a song blow again and again through my mind. And I don't know why. I wish I didn't feel so strong about you, Chappie. But happiness and love revolve around. Hey, Chap, I got something that'll help us make up some time. So keep the channel clear, all right? This ain't no game, I'm telling you. Oh. I can get used to that. All right, we made up three minutes. Maybe I haven't picked us up yet. It's 7.30. I hope they're running late. I don't even want to think about it. Let's get ready. Il Kareem is coming up. Can you see me? No, I see me. I just see LT. <laughs> I see LT. 